Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome, one and all. Nice to see everybody here this morning. Whether you have come from a long way away or you're coming from very nearby, we're so glad that you're here this morning. It's a delight to welcome several visitors into our midst. We're certainly happy that you're here as well. We hope that everybody feels very much at home here at GPC. And we invite you to sign the friendship pad. That's the maroon pad on the inside aisle of each pew. If you're sitting next to the aisle, if you would pick up that and mark your own attendance with us and then pass that down the aisle, please sign that as others are signing it. And if you would like to know more about GPC, then you can sign that and put, put uh, a request for a visit in, and we'd be glad to call you and let you know more about our church and who we are. If you are a visitor and you'd like to uh, have one of these visitor bags, they're the bright yellow bags at the entrance to each door here in the AC lobby and in the narthex, and it's got lots and lots of information about the church and different groups, different activities, different schedules, um, several things in there that will tell you more about who we are as a congregation. We'd be so happy for you to pick one of those up on your way out. A few things about our worship service. Um, one is our kids in just a few minutes will come down the aisle waving the palm branches. I hope you received a palm branch on the way in and we'll hold those up during our first hymn. And if you are a younger child and you didn't get the word about coming in with the palm frond and leading us in that procession, then you can certainly go out to the Narthex and there are other kids out there with Miss Blair and Miss Jackie and they'll be happy to, uh, to let you help in that effort. Or if you're a child at heart and you want to go outside and lead that procession, you can certainly do that as well. Don't uh, forget about all of the things that are coming up. And I'm just going to go over a few of these. These are all printed somewhere in your bulletin. You can find out more information about this. But a reminder about our Easter egg hunt for children that's this afternoon at 3.30. We'll meet in the AC and then go from there to various places designated for some for younger children, smaller ones others for a little bit older and larger. It's always a really fun event. Bring your child, bring your grandchild, bring kids from neighborhood. It's wide open for everybody. There are only a few million eggs that will be somewhere out there on the lawn for people to find. And so I just encourage you to come to that and to to enjoy that. The petting zoo is back as well this year. So 3.30 Easter egg hunt followed by the petting zoo. All kinds of entertaining animals will be around here this afternoon for our enjoyment. Don't forget about the, uh, the noon worship services followed by lunches hosted by uh, each of the neighboring churches here in the Old Germantown area. So on, not on Monday, there's no lunch on Monday, but on Tuesday we host a lunch here. So we'll have a worship service in here at noon and a lunch to follow in Warren Hall. That You don't need to make reservations for that. We're planning on a pretty good number On uh, Wednesday, it's at the Methodist Church at noon. Thursday is at New Bethel Missionary Baptist Church at noon on Thursday. They are still under a a mask uh, request. So if you go to New Bethel, please wear a mask to that one on Thursday. And then Friday at St. George's across the street, also at noon. No meal on Friday, but it's, uh, it's a service at noon as well. So please come to one of those four services during this very special Holy Week. We'll also have, again, our Maundy Thursday service, and that will be in here in the sanctuary, 6.30 on Thursday night, a very special worship service. We'll have communion by intention. Our choir, our musicians have been working so hard on the exceptional, beautiful music for that, so please come on Thursday evening at 6.30 in here. If you can't make it 6.30 in here on 
Thursday, then maybe you can make it at 6 o'clock on Friday in the chapel. We'll have a special Good Friday service, 6 o'clock in the chapel on Friday evening. And then, of course, our, our wonderful morning worship services, our evening worship service, all three services next week as we celebrate the resurrection at Easter. It's become a great tradition in our church to have the flowering cross uh, at the Arthur Road entrance. And so next Sunday, as you come to celebrate Easter, bring a handful of flowers from your own garden or perhaps a purchase and bring them and place them in the flowering cross that's out on Arthur Road. And it's become a beautiful symbol in our church of the resurrection and the new life that we have in Christ. So we look forward to our flowering cross next Sunday and all three worship services next Sunday. One or two more things. Um, May the 15th is our next quarterly joining Sunday. There are people who have been visiting, inquiring about membership here at GPC, talking to our membership committee. And if you want to join next Sunday, there's information in your bulletin, not next Sunday, on May the 15th, there's, there's information about how to contact Amy Phillips and the membership committee, and you can talk to her about joining on May the 15th. Those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Palm Sunday. Let's see them. Everybody's got to wave one. On this Palm Sunday, may we, our voices of praise, reach to the heavens. May God be glorified in our worship, and may we be strengthened in our faith. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. God's people say, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. We thank you that you have answered us and have become our salvation. The stone that the rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever.
Christ lived a perfect, authentic life before God. We fall short of God's glory each day. Let us confess our sins together and express our need for God's grace. Let us pray. Have mercy on us, holy God. In our sin, we act in ways that defile, damage others, and derange ourselves. Like the prodigal, we have lost our senses to sin. We have forgotten you, and we have misunderstood ourselves. Our thinking is unclear, and our minds are lost, all on account of our misguided choices. Please forgive us, and through Jesus, help to come into a right mind and to regain our sense of right and wrong. End our wandering and bring us home again to you, all through Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives us our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. Good morning. I'm so happy to see all my friends up here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, do you think of yourself as a helpful person? If you do, show me a hand. Are you helpful? Wells, are you helpful? Thomas, are you helpful? Charlie, are you helpful? Oh, you're being real honest. Kinda. Kinda. Okay, I like that. You've gotta be honest in church. Um, so what's something that you do to be helpful to either your families or your teachers, even your pets? I got like three people who can talk. If I apologize, then I 
And then I get markers. Oh, that's cool. Okay, apologizing when you're wrong is very helpful. Like you were in our class. Okay, yes, like I was in your class, so that was helpful. Okay, so I was helpful. Anybody got a way that they're helpful at home? Okay, they're all shy today. Um, so the reason that we're talking about be I know, Thomas, you're the only one who's not shy. You and Charlie. Um, the reason we're talking about being helpful is our story today, the one that we're going to hear about, is about people being helpful to Jesus. So did you know that we're also supposed to be helpful to Jesus? Well, if we want to. We have a choice. The choice is ours. And in our story, some people chose to be helpful to Jesus. They brought him a, it's going to be called colt. Um, in my translation, it's called a donkey. They went and found him something, an animal to ride on. That's why we're going to have a petting zoo. Um, and the guy who owned it let him borrow it. Like he could have said no, but he didn't. So that was nice. So them being helpful actually turned into a party. That's with the palm fronds. They lay their coats down. They all were shouting and celebrating. So if we choose to help Jesus, it can turn into a great big celebration and party. Did you know that? You did? Awesome. Okay, so um, we can choose to be helpful to Jesus. So we're going to say a prayer about being helpful to Jesus. Does that sound good? Are you guys ready to say a Yeah, like right now. You want to say a prayer? You're going to repeat it after me? Promise? Okay. You ready to say a prayer? Dear God, we thank you for Jesus, who invites us to help him. We also thank you for the good things that happen when we accept Jesus' invitations to help out. Thank you, and amen. You did so good. Thank you.
It's always so good to look out into the congregation and see so many um, faces of, of some people who are back today for the first time in a long time. Because of COVID or pandemic or separation, to have you back among us is, is a great pleasure. We have extended church family from the East Coast over here back with us today. We have other friends of the church and family members from the West Coast back and visiting with us, and, and all of us in between here as well. And so it's so good to see everybody here. And if nothing else happens in this worship service, then you've already heard from the most talented person who will do anything in this service this morning, and that's Marcus. So we are grateful for everybody's presence and and all that you bring to this worship service from wherever you come from. We are grateful to God for this moment and grateful that we can come to God in prayer and, and surround uh, God's Word and be blessed and enhanced by it. So please pray with me. Let us pray. Lord God, we do come before you and we acknowledge how much we need your wisdom every day. Each day we are faced with confusion when we crave clarity. Every day we are faced with hardship when we crave harmony. And so we pray that you would reveal yourself to us now in these readings from Holy Scripture. Bless us with these readings and these words as we seek to bless you and one another. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We've already had a reenactment of the triumphal entry this morning with our palm fronds and our opening hymn. We read now about this moment in Jesus' life and ministry from Luke 19. Verses 28 through 40, Luke's account of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he had come near to Bethphage and Bethany at a place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples ahead saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here, and if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, they said to him, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord needs it. So then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set it on Jesus, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road, and he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives. And the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would shout out. Our next reading comes also from the New Testament, a reading from the book of Philippians. Reading Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. The second half of this reading you may notice in your Bible if it's the text and the type is set apart. The second half of this reading is understood to be one of the earliest hymns in the New Testament church. The the earliest Christians gathered together, they worshiped, and they would sing a hymn, and this is one of them, one of the earliest hymns they would sing, the second part of this reading. Paul writes, Philippians 2, 
If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And here he quotes from the hymn, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. If you've been with us here at GPC during the season of Lent, then you know that we have been going through some of the most important Christian character traits, some of the most important attributes of a Christian, looking at different ones week by week. So, for example, we looked early on at belief and what it means to be grounded in a set of beliefs, what it means to have some core beliefs at your core, at at the core of your own being. Our, Our convictions, our beliefs, they're always a work in progress, but we do want to carry with us some convictions that keep us us grounded in a very tumultuous world. I was outside on Thursday afternoon watching a lacrosse game, but I was also interested in this white plastic bag that was hovering over Johnson Park, Johnson Road Park, about 50 feet in the air because it was windy. And it was hovering over the lacrosse game in the air, and it would jerk one way, And then it would jerk the next, and it would hover up and down until finally it just kind of floated and blew away. Friends, that's what we can be like in our world without some some basic beliefs to ground us. What you believe matters. One of my favorite things is going to take place about an hour from now, a little bit less than an hour. It's when our confirmation class will eat with their mentors and their class teachers and our session elders, and they will talk about what they've learned and that we've read their faith statements that they have written over the course of the last several weeks. Already, as I look through these faith statements, already I can see that there are some powerful beliefs that are at work among our eighth graders and among their growing Christian hearts and their growing Christian minds. Of course, their convictions will grow and change over the years as they mature and change, like like all of us do. But having for them some core beliefs in their souls will keep them anchored in the storms. Our core beliefs keep us from floating away on every current that passes through our world. We've also talked about discipline, which is another way of saying self-control, that the followers of Christ learn from Him over time, the more we walk with Him, how to have some control over our tongues and our tempers, over our appetites, our desires. Proverbs 25 says, like a city breached without walls 
is one who lacks self-control. In other words, life is totally chaotic. A city breached without walls is a life that's overrun. There's no boundaries, no safeguards. There's no self-control. We talked about holiness a few weeks ago, which means that our life with God is one in which we, we seek after what is right. We try to live and pursue the things that are good and right. There's a right way to live a human life that is pleasing to God. And so we strive after that. We talked about how holiness includes things like justice. It includes fairness. It includes our, our ethics and how we treat people. Piety is not a word that you will hear much in Christian circles anymore because to be pious sort of sounds like you're, you're judgmental or you're self-righteous, you're pious. But in its true sense, it's actually a good word. To be pious means you want to pursue the habits that lead to right living. Prayer, scripture reading, discernment. What you do matters in a pious life. We've looked at reconciliation and we've seen how by God's grace we can be reconciled to God. We can be reconciled to other people who, who maybe we consider as enemies. Walls that are built up between people over time by God's grace brick by brick can be lowered and dismantled and people can be reconciled to one another across all kinds of lines. Today we look at an attribute that is absolutely essential, essential for Christian character and yet is so hard for so many of us. Humility, what it means to be humble. Paul writes, do nothing, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but with humility regard others as better than yourselves. Now, that word better here, it should be better translated as higher. View other people as higher. They outrank you. They are higher than you are in any kind of pecking order. Can you have that kind of humility? Well, Paul is going to lead the Philippians through this reading, through the first verses of this, up to a point where he wants to demonstrate what that really means, to live that kind of life. And he does this by some, some, some rhetorical tricks a little bit. He's leading them in their thinking, and he does this by asking them a question. He uses the word if as if there are questions they have to answer to get to a certain point. He says this, he says, if you have received, and he's going to name some really good things that come from God. If in your faith you have received encouragement, and Paul knows that the answer is yes, they have all been encouraged by God. If you've ever been consoled or comforted by God's love, which they have. If you have ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, if you've ever been guided by the Spirit in your decisions, if you've ever been inspired by the Spirit in your life, and of course the answer is yes, they have felt that Spirit's presence. If you've experienced compassion, if any of this is true, and so Paul knows that all of that is true, He's leading them to where he really wants to go by reminding them of all of the things they've received from God. He says, if any of that is true, then you've got to be united in the most important trait of all, humility. Humility, you have to live a humble life, be agreement, be in of one mind about looking forward to and looking to the interests of others before yourself. How can you serve the interests of others instead of looking after your own interests and priorities first? How can you do that? Live that way. Why? 
Because you see them as being higher than yourself, as of being better than who you are. That's why you love them with humility. Do you ever remember the first time you learned about the caste system in India? I can remember learning about that in elementary school, even in a deeper level in a college course, learning about the caste system where everybody belongs along in some kind of way in a social hierarchy in a pecking order based on primarily their birth, which also determines education and wealth and social status, what you do for a living. Now, you can't, of course, technically legally discriminate anymore based on caste in India, but when a system is baked into a culture for centuries and centuries and centuries, it's so hard to overcome it. So much of it still dominates the way that people think about themselves and how they view other people. You may know that there are four main classifications or or ladders of people, but within each one there's substrata hundreds of different substrata of where people belong in the pecking order. Brahmins at the top, Shudras near the bottom. Those are the, the manual labors down there at the bottom. But then lower than the Shudras are the Dalits, the untouchables. They're so low that they're not even part of the other caste system. They are literally outcast. They're the rejects of the whole system, the poorest of the poor, The beggars, they're the one who go in and they go in and they clean the the, the sewer systems of each town or village. They take the worst jobs. Now that caste system was outlawed officially in 1955, but it's still the case. Still that people define themselves along this pecking order of who they are better than, who they are less than. I may not be a Brahmin, but at least I am not a Dalit. I am not as low as that. Barometers are always the same across cultures, social status, wealth, education. The more you have of those, then the better off you are than others. Which is why Agnes Boyachu made such an impact in the world. Made such an impact in that system as she turned it all upside down. A well-educated young Christian woman from a fairly well-off family of political leaders in Macedonia in southern Europe she became the embodiment of these verses when she moved to India and then viewed the Dalits as better than herself. She became their servant, a servant to untouchable outcasts who then caused great changes in the whole caste system in India as Mother Teresa, turning it all upside down. See, we judge people by who's higher, who's lower, who's better by income status, but that word better, it's actually a moral term as in good, better, and best. If someone is good, then we say that he or she is morally sound. Someone is good, then then they're compassionate, a good person, tries to make the right choices, has self-control, volunteers, helps, tries not to lie, cheat, or steal. That category of good and better is a category of of morality and ethics. And yet when we judge if someone is better than someone else, then we think of being higher or lower, we judge by these external circumstances, education or wealth or status. We can't help but mentally equate someone's moral character by their look, by their clothes or their home. If they look good, then they must be good. Right? If they look shabby, then we have a shabby opinion of their morality. 
In our family, we pass by a, a couple times a year, two houses that are right next to each other, but they couldn't be more polar opposite. They're in a rural part of Tennessee, near Smithville, Tennessee. We pass those houses on the way to vacation at Center Hill Lake in Middle Tennessee. One house has a very well-kept yard, and the grass is always cut. It's manicured. There's a white painted fence around the part of the side of the house. There's a vegetable garden that I admire and envy because it is so perfectly presented. House is attractive, a great paint job, decorative shutters. The front porch has rocking chairs on it that are spaced symmetrically, perfectly apart. The cars are parked in the driveway on the concrete. And then right next door, literally right next door, feet away, there is another house which we refer to as the junk house. And you would not believe how many defunct cars or 18-wheeler cabs are there, all with flat tires because they are unmovable. They have been there for years and now decades. Grass is growing up around all of those flat tires because they haven't moved. They're old bikes, lots of buckets, tires, tons of scrap metal, children's slides and toys, couple of old tractors, lots of old plows and tools, hundreds of plastic objects, and a million other broken things are just spilling off of that porch and lying all over the yard. We pass by both of those houses every time when we say, what must it be like for the people in the nice house to live next to the junk house? I mean, they must be so frustrated. I bet they hate them for detracting from their house. If you lived in the nicer looking house, what would you think of the junk house residents? Would you ever regard them as better than you? If you lived in the caste system of India, what would you think about the Dalits, the untouchables? Would you ever regard a Dalit as higher than you? Would it surprise you to learn that Christianity is so appealing, it's spreading so much among the Dalit classes of India because it gives them for the first time a type of dignity that the caste system would never give them. People learn that they are children of God. It gives them great hope to see Jesus touching the lepers and welcoming the outcasts into his presence. Jesus loves the lowly. What about in our own society and culture closer to home? Who do you deem yourself better than and why? Education level? Wealth? Status, socially, morally, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as the Son of God. He was at the very top. He was above the top. He was part of God's own life, and yet he emptied himself in all of his glory to become a servant. He became human. He became a person, and he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross. You see what Paul is doing here as he quotes this hymn, he is reminding them that if there was one person who ever lived who did not deserve to be put to death on a cross, it was Jesus. But he did it willingly. He humbled himself and he lived as if everybody was higher than he and better than he. But it was actually the opposite. There was no one who ever ranked higher than the Son of God. No one who was morally better. He was morally pure through and through. And the riches of heaven that are his 
are far greater than all the wealth of the world put together. He was better and higher than everyone, and yet he came and lived as if everyone was higher than he. See, one of the great truths that we will commemorate and and really worship around on Friday of this coming week, on Good Friday, is that Jesus lived as our servant. Although he never had to, he did it willingly. And, And you and I, we know we are that junk house spiritually. We are. We, we All this broken stuff that's just sort of spilling out into the world, it's so messy. We are so immovable in our sins. So many weeds growing up and taking over. And, and we may not look like it on the outside. On the outside, we may look like that nice house next door, but inside we know we're just that junk house. Not pure, not better than anyone else morally, and we know that. And so does Jesus. And yet he chose anyway to empty himself and become a servant to each one of us. He chose to live in the the junkyard of our lives in order to save us, in order to pull us up out of it. That type of humility, says Paul, that type of humility that was part of Jesus' outlook on all of life should be ours. The way we treat everybody else, we should have that same mindset that Christ Jesus had as we strive to live more and more like he. So as you go about the rest of this week, I wonder if this, I wonder if, if you have received anything good from God, and the answer is yes, we all have. I wonder if during this coming week, sometime before Friday, if you would be on the lookout. If you would be on the lookout for a chance to serve someone else and to elevate someone else's interests and needs above your own. We're all so busy. We all have these routines. We all have work and family and responsibilities. But what if, what if sometime between now and Friday, there was somebody that you came across that you could, that you could look upon as higher than yourself, and you could do some deed, some service, some action. It might be somebody that you would otherwise look down upon, that you might... Maybe not actually say this, but you might consider untouchable or lowly. Maybe somebody that you would look down on. What if this week, to help you and I truly understand Jesus' life and especially his death, if we found this opportunity to humble ourselves and to serve someone else and to rank them higher than ourselves? If that happens, then we will have just a glimpse of what Good Friday is all about. Having been blessed now to have heard the word read and proclaimed, let us stand as we're able and publicly affirm our faith, reciting in unison the affirmation printed in your bulletin that comes from a brief statement of faith. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed, and blessing the children, healing the sick, and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. 
unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. Please be seated. We're blessed in this moment to come before God with our prayers for one another and for the people of the world. And so as we settle ourselves into coming before God in prayer, listen for spaces within the prayer where I will invite you to name, using just their first names, those that you know and love that are in need of God's healing mercies. And I will invite you to respond when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you may respond, hear our prayers. So let us now turn to Almighty God in prayer. Creator God, as we come before you with all humility, we come with confidence too that you desire to hear the prayers of our hearts and those on our lips, that you may listen and that you might respond. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God of power, love, and compassion, we pray with boldness for your intercession into the war on the country of Ukraine, and on the people, for they are hurting and grieving in ways that we struggle to fathom. For they do not know where to turn. They do not know who will take them in. They do not know who will offer to them their next meal or cool cup of water. They are running away from the terror of war in need of your holy presence with them, Almighty God. And so on their behalf, we pray to you that you might be their salvation and their light, that you might cover each one, the children, the toddlers, the youth, the young adults, the grandparents, the parents, the aunts and uncles and cousins, each person, that you might cover them with your mighty shield of protection, that you might bless them with all that they need to make it through this day and this night and then face tomorrow. Bless, too, the president and all of those who are staying home to fight for their country and their very personhood. Bless them with strength and courage and perseverance and all that they might need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, lead and guide each one of us that are gathered here in this space and those that are watching online to be merciful and kind and to care for Ukrainians in every way that we can think of so that we might be able to help them and there might be an end soon, and your peace will reign once more. May we reflect the peace that you desire, holy God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And with boldness, we pray, too, for your intervention into the stone-cold hearts of the Russian 
leadership, transforming those hearts as only you can do into hearts of compassion and mercy. May they retreat back to Russia, leaving the Ukrainians to live in peace, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear. Lord Jesus, as we continue in our journey beside you, as you approach the cross, may we be reminded of your calling on our lives to choose the fast acceptable to Almighty God to loosen the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to share our bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into our homes, to cover the naked with clothing, to reconcile with our families so that we will become like watered gardens, like springs of water whose waters never fail, And then we will be called repairers of the breach and restorers of the streets to live in. And you, holy and loving God, will take delight in us as we take delight in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And now hear us as we name before you those that we know are in need of your healing mercies. Almighty God, with strong voices, you have heard those that we have named, and you know those that are on our lips in whispers and those that remain in our hearts. And we ask your healing mercies and your mercies of love and comfort to be with all of those that we have named and those that have been in silence. Bless each one with all that they need for this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Holy Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer God, hear us now as we join our many voices into one strong and solid voice and pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This day, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we know that all that we have and all that we have ever been given, all that we are even, are gifts to us from Almighty God. So let us now participate in the work of this church called into being by God, by the giving with great joy and generosity, our tithes and our offerings.
Let us pray. O Lord our God, you have blessed us far beyond our deserving. We pray now that you would accept these tithes and offerings as but a token of our love and dedication to you. We pray that you would use these gifts and use us to further your kingdom's work here on earth. We lift this prayer in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Friends, go now out into this world to love and serve the Lord, and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and always. Amen. Oh,